0: We were on a camp in Melbourne and I just decided I didn't want to do it anymore. Mm. And it was a really hard decision because I felt again influenced by the people who had supported me to get to that point. I was like, well, I owe it to them, I owe it mm. to my parents, I owe it to my sponsors, I should keep going. But I literally got to breaking point. I was waking up every morning crying and I was still performing well. Like, I got that's when I won the under 23 national road tile, I was sixth overall at the championships. I had a podium over in New Zealand at the um, racing over there and, and I thought if I'm racing well and winning bike races and still crying every day, something's really wrong. Mm. And so I just said, no, that's it. And um, yeah, stepped away from the sport for a little while.
1: That exact moment, who are the people that to help you come to that decision? Like maybe you came to it yourself. You know, it's really mature decision because not most of us but I can imagine a lot of people like you said you work so much to get to that final position and you're like i'm not quite there yet there's just one more step to go professional you know it's just like i just push through it come on i'm here Mm -hmm. it's like to just go i'm out
0: i think there's so many people below you that you think oh what they would give to have this opportunity like don't be stupid like this is amazing and my parents actually weren't completely supportive Mm. Like they were like, if you throw this away, like you might not get it again. You've worked so hard.
1: Again, really hard again to make that decision. Yeah.
0: But Donna Zelensky was mm. actually one of the people I spoke to um, in depth about it all. And she was really supportive. And I suppose I appreciated in that time that there wasn't many women who had done it. Mm. Not many women had been down that path and raced overseas and knew how difficult it was to be away from your family and that at home. Um, and then I actually got a life coach. Mm. Yeah, so um, Scott McGorry's um, wife at the time, Donna, uh, I just did some sessions with her. And I mean, for a while there, I thought, oh, she's gonna coach me back into it and I'll, I'll be excited again to race. And I wasn't, mm. yeah, it went it went the other direction. And we decided that, um, Oh well, I suppose she helped me recognize that uh, I wasn't finding enough joy in it anymore. And I only did it for joy. Mm. So when that was lost, when that fire was gone, i needed something else
1: she helped you it sounds like she helped you help you remember exactly why you got in it Mm. which can get lost over the time because this exactly what you said there you're trying to impress this person you're trying to do something at the end of the day not for yourself Mm. you're like well what did i do this for Just listening to a snippet from the Peter Mullins episode, Letting Passion Lead. Some great feedback from that episode. That's what I did with her last week. This is Talking Luft, presented by Rafa. I'm sitting down talking to Nicky Hodge, one of the designers from Rafa who works over in London. He's a Melbourne boy and he runs us through what it takes to create a kit like Rock soul We're sitting here at the rooftop bar in Melbourne. I'm sitting here with Nicky Hodge, From the graphic design team from Rafa, tell me about what it takes to design a kit like Rock Salt. So the girls' kit, there was a lot of inspiration from the Japanese culture there. How do you put those ideas into design, that process?
0: I think it's really good when you talk to them, talk to the riders, talk to the athletes, and that was what was really good about Rock Salt, that we had an idea that we just translate it, really, and tell that story. So their whole thing was this kind of... They're a team of rejects, their words, not mine, and they want to highlight the cracks rather than paper over them. And that was this Kintsugi, um, which my teammate Santy actually came up with that route. I can't take credit for it. But um, that was the story. And if, when you talk, you find something to pivot around and you build, build on it. So, yeah. And I think that at Rafa, they've always been big on story. I'm from a branding background, same as Simon, our founder, and that's a big
1: part of the appeal for me that they like telling stories and that's, I guess, what we try and do. I was lucky enough to have first-hand experience to see where those guys make the magic happen over there in London at the headquarters, but to meet him, Nicky, a guy from Melbourne, I can see he's such a cool guy, I can see why he's able to create those cool kits that we see out there guys this is talking luft i'm not going to hold you up anymore sit back and enjoy this one with peter mullins all right here we are now we're a bit of fun talking luft with peter mullins let's just get straight into it what do you reckon peter straight in now are you Mm -hmm. aware of how this works
0: have you changed it this year i have (laughs) i've changed it a little yeah
1: i've slightly (laughs) changed it so it's four topics style with a few questions bikes with a few questions culture and about you men ready cycling caps caskets capolinos mini cycling mini hats whatever you want to call them how do you wear yours what's your style
0: I was ashamed to come on this podcast because I don't really wear caps. Well, no caps.
1: Never had yeah. the no cap answer.
0: I'm. A, well, I, I. wonder if it's because I haven't got a huge European influence.
1: But surely there's still casquettes around that you've worn.
0: Uh yeah. I, I what mean, about
1: for necessity? It's raining or whatever. Still just stick it out.
0: I'm. I'm not outside. I'm not riding when it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not training. It's a day off. Racing. Let's just say, well, I don't know. I feel like the people I've listened to on the pod who I think are stylish uh, are a backwards, backwards oh. cap. So I'm going to go backwards.
1: Backwards, brim yeah. up, brim down. Uh, up. Up. Fender. To be
0: different, just because I'm outside the outside the
1: square. That's the Albie, Alan Aquani, and Alan Davis style. I know, right? You're a big fan of I'm the afraid. Albies, right? I was
0: also a bit ashamed that I was following Albie <laughs>
1: on
0: the podcast. That's embarrassing.
1: <laughs> All right. Without a helmet, what's your style? If you could have raced back in the day, no helmets, what would your style have been?
0: I thought I got to choose a sausage helmet still. You can. I'm still for the
1: sausage yeah. helmet. <laughs> yeah. All right, sausage helmet, great. <laughs> would you run long hair still or would you have you just like crew cut it so it pokes out the top?
0: Probably power braid. Yeah? Yeah, still power braid, yep. Down the back? Yep. Single? Uh, yeah yeah we're not pippy long stockings i've
1: (laughs) I've seen the double some girls go the double
0: (laughs) they do some can pull it off i'm actually naturally a redhead yeah i feel like it would be edging way too close to pippy long i'm just looking now right is that all died yeah
1: yeah right letting a big secret out here (laughs) yeah all right well i don't know if this question is actually appropriate for you i should have rehashed this question do you still shave your legs
0: uh, I actually haven't shaved them since last Thursday <laughs> pre um, Santos Festival of cycling.
1: They're but, yeah, all, they're almost waxing length, aren't they?
0: Uh, yeah, they're getting, yeah, they're long. I didn't shave them for the crit. Yeah, yep. Uh, I actually didn't shave half of my left leg for a good two weeks because <laughs> I had that um had a crash uh, New Year's Eve, so I was letting that that scar heal up.
1: What's this scar above your knee?
0: Uh, that is a VIS training camp. Coming down um, Falls Creek, that uh, there's a left hander before the final bridge, and uh, Dave, I would put two hundred dollars on the line for fastest down the hill. I was trying to follow Pat Shaw and uh, failed. I sli- uh, slid under a guardrail, chopped it open, sixteen stitches. Yeah, yeah.
1: Picture he regretted putting that two hundred bucks down.
0: Race the Bakerets three weeks later, though. Did you? So, I did. Yeah, <laughs> that's why the stitch marks are so big because I took a couple of them out myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: I'll get a photo of that for the show notes. <laughs> do you like to wear X pro kit or do you like to wear sort of new wave? Now, you're still in a pro team. So, if you weren't in a pro team and you've had time outside of a team as well, when you had that chance, were you like, I'm just going to pull out some retro old school pro kit or do you just like to sort of go clean?
0: If I've finished with a team, that kit's done forever, I wouldn't wear it again. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't have any old kit. Why? Ever. Like, I actually sold some of my national champions jerseys that i was presented with on the podium at the bike shop a couple of years back. <laughs> right. um like, no like we've got our we've got our roller get up which is like our little um side hustle i suppose that's kind of like our little bike family on the side we go away to races together so i'd rock the roller kit
1: mm, Nice. Yeah. why don't you keep any old kit
0: i don't know i don't keep medals or trophies have, or anything
1: have you got any jerseys Signed uh, or I have,
0: I have, yeah, I've got some framed ones, yeah, like Commonwealth Games and whatnot. But yeah, I don't, I've got the memories,
1: Ooh, fair I don't enough. Need possessions. <laughs> All right, moving on. Bikes. RMG. Road, mountain, or gravel.
0: All of the above.
1: No what? one. <laughs>
0: I've got a big one. One forever. Um, ha oh, forever. Socially, road would be my go-to. So if I was living in a community like Bendigo, I'd say road bike. If I was to move to a mountainous area somewhere and ride solo, it would be a mountain bike.
1: Gravel never gets a start?
0: No, uh, no. Nah, nah. nah. I, I ride my road bike gravel sometimes, I suppose.
1: Yeah, that's right. You can.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the mountain bike. They're both versatile enough.
1: Social bunch or hour of power?
0: Our social bunch. Yeah. yeah. Every time.
1: Don't get up and do the, you know, 6 a.m., punch ne- it out.
0: Oh, a couple of years ago, mate. Never. <laughs> never. Never. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Do you have a Strava account?
0: I do. I'm a I'm a real big Strava dork. Are you? I'm a huge Strava dork, Yeah.
1: Com hunter, Strava hunter <laughs> one, like for the that. KOMs or the QOMs. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Well, to be fair, I don't really hunt QOMs because the the boys tow me to them in bunches. So I would say that pretty much all of my Strava QOMs are like cheap QOMs because I don't actually do a turn. Even for them. the
1: uphill ones.
0: Yeah, well, I, I used to have Man Alexander locally until a couple of years ago. Sarah Gigante took it. Nicole Frayne took it off her. So.
1: Do you get that sort of like, you know, stir in your stomach? Like, ah, oh, God, I've got to go get it back.
0: If I was within two minutes of the 16 minute segment, then yes. <laughs> Too far
1: down. Within two minutes. Yes. If I was even within two minutes, it's I'm tough. like, that's gone.
0: <laughs> yes, it's well, truly gone.
1: Yeah. Okay, right. Your favorite training loop. Now, it could be one of those loops out there. Someone's going to know it. Explain the loop to us.
0: There's a reason that uh, my partner nicknames me Compass. It's not because I'm good with directions. Oh, right. So I'm bad with loops. Oh, no, right. Um, I actually think uh, Dura Della Donna oh. is one of my favorite loops, and I'm not sure if it's just the loop or just the atmosphere around the event. We always have a really cool group go down to do it. Locally, uh, maybe the Frysdale loop.
2: Which,
0: what is it? Um, kind of goes out Castlemaine. Uh, I call do you go it, through Castlemaine? Yeah, we call it Fryersdale, but it's actually two-friars town, but I always get it wrong, so I've just nicknamed it Fryersdale. But normally, we have a group of roller guys go out and it kind of turns into a bit of a smash fest, really. Kind of do some early turns and then towards the end, we do some swap-offs and it's a drop ride. So we do you wait go, for people.
1: you go down through, um, what's that town at the bottom of Mount Alexander?
0: Harcourt. Harcourt. Yeah, yeah, through Harcourt, Golden Point. Yeah.
1: Castlemaine. Then yeah. where do you go from Castlemaine? Do a
0: little bit of a loop out there. It's like 10K out, 10K back. And sometimes we um we do a detour on the way home. Sometimes we might do Tarangara or Maldon or...
1: You don't yeah. go over the Mount. I thought the Mount would have got to start.
0: No, no, that's too obvious. Yeah, yeah. Right. no, we, we like a proper fast chop off and then every man for himself. Righto. Yeah, we, we leave everyone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to go Heathcote, the old, the old Heathcote looping back.
0: No, I only go out there sometimes on the gravel bike, actually. We've had some good epic mountain bike gravel ones out there. Good mm. jam donuts out there.
1: I thought you might have done a mountain bike loop. Uh,
0: Not in Bendigo.
1: No? No, too What about rocky. Harcourt?
0: No. No, I don't ride my mountain bike if I've got to drive to the trail.
1: Yeah, okay. Fair yeah. enough. You can always ride there on the mountain bike.
0: I've done it. I only <laughs> got one trail and then I had to turn around and go. <laughs> it's like 16 <laughs> trails there.
1: <laughs> All right. A rider comes towards you. Are you a wave or are you just sort of, you know, a simple head gesture? What's your action? Because here in Bendigo, that's that's something you've got to have down pat. Or are you just a simple snub? You snub them.
0: Uh, well, Melbourne people definitely snub. Mm. I go down there and wave an all day. No, definitely a wave. And most of the time in Bendigo, you know the oncoming rider. But I'm not like a huge fanatical wave. I oh. And like five centimeters off the bar wave with a nod, the double.
1: And a, would you do like a voice gesture to someone you know?
0: Um, I, I would hopefully be riding with that person already. Yeah, but they yeah. could be out early.
1: It could be like, yeah, hey, Mitch, yep.
0: Yeah, yep. Good to see you, mate. How Hello. long would you
1: continue the conversation when they're passing?
0: Nah, just literally passing.
1: Wouldn't yeah. be like, hey, how are you doing? See you next week. I, I ride past too quick. Yeah, right. Nice <laughs> try. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your best bike of all time? All those bikes you've had over the years. What's that one bike you go, you know what? I love that one. Oh,
0: I've had a lot of bikes too. This what? would be a little off tilt, actually, because it was probably the one time I rode a bike that wasn't like their top spec or their top tier frame, uh, and that's when I had my Cervelo S3. Ooh. Absolutely loved that bike. Yeah. I went onto an S5 kind of down the line, but that S3, it was a rim brake back then, obviously.
1: Why? Well, uh, was so good? I well, never, I won- I've never ridden a Cervelo.
0: Haven't you? No. Yeah. We were a Cervelo stockist at the shop, and so I've done Cervelo, Focus, Bianchi, Merida. Just on the full ham. <laughs> um, I, well, I won road nationals on it for starters. Oh, so, I yeah. suppose most of the, my bikes that I would consider my favorite bikes are probably just associated with some really good bike race memories. Mm. Mm. What was your
1: first bike ever?
0: Well, <laughs> actually, my first bike when I came into the sport, um, Dave McFarlane,
1: mm.
0: he was a track rider from Dan Lane Gathaway. He had retired from uh, riding and we converted uh one of his bikes to a seven speed yeah so obviously the gears were on the down tube back then and yeah i remember doing schools champs and that on it was rainbow mm. rainbow paint job remember those classic.
1: those schools champs yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, were <horrific. laughs> they, were.
0: <laughs> they were good though we actually often have them in bendigo nowadays we go out and do some like metal presentations and
1: it was so serious for me i was so nervous before that it's like mm. this is my first real road race yeah. I remember
0: they – well, when I did it, they had like a 100-meter sprint but you had to like clip in yourself <laughs> and take off as a – yeah, it Was and then obviously the gears were on the down tube so once you'd clipped in and started sprinting then I was trying to change the gears. That was probably my first ever road race to be fair. Yeah, right. Yeah, didn't win.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, culture. Favorite race of all time? That I've done or – Could be either.
0: Oh, man, I've done a lot. I think – I'm gonna I'm gonna steal a few here on the road Flanders, for sure. Like the atmosphere, will we before the men's race, it's it kind of actually runs into the second race. Um, but yeah, on pretty much every sector of the race, there the spectators are ridiculous. the The smell of beer and Fritz is ridiculous. You can't hear anything. That flows into my favorite race on the Criterium scene, which is Tulsa Tough in America, which is pretty similar on Cry what Baby Hill. Tulsa Tough.
1: Oh, I never heard of it. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. I'm going to send you a link. So, it's three days of crits, late nights um, in Oklahoma. The second night runs past nightclub and the last day runs up. Uh, it's called Cry Baby Hill and half the circuit is like on a grassland down the bottom. It's like families having picnics on the water. And then you turn up this really steep hill and they've got people guarding it there because at the top is live music, um, dancing, uh, vodka, watermelon. They, the crowds are lined on the side and they have these, um, you know, guys with whistles and, and broomsticks pretty much. And when we ride past, they pull all the, pull all the spectators back. And then, you know, we're gone for a minute and a half of the circle, or whatever. So when we're not there, they're all drunken and dancing around on the road and, yeah, it's a, I don't even think they really know a bike race is on. But every minute and a half we race three for 30 seconds and, yeah, and they have um, called Crybaby Hill. So there's all these, this will sound quite cringe, but all these baby dolls with, like, faces removed yeah. on sticks. And oh, st- my God, that's <laughs> freaky. But they have fishing poles with money hanging off it. So the riders are trying to grab that and, yeah, they're spraying you with water and vodka and <laughs> weed. just smells like weed.
1: Yeah. Oh, gosh.
0: And then I'll oh, wait one more. Well, okay, right. Probably on the mountain bike, I would have to say Tour of Timor. Right. Yeah, Tour of East Timor. So, used to be huge prize money over there. Like I remember the first year we went over there. You can only bring $10,000 in cash back. Mm. Of course, they give you all your cash in like a little backpack. Um, so, we had to like split it between us to bring all the money back. Uh, wow. And, but one year we rode um, like through this cannibal area. And they had guys on the side of the road every hundred meters with these machine guns, like shielding us from um, these cannibals in this cannibal area. And really, yeah, it was really, really intense. But you finish in these beautiful locations where the um, where the locals come out and do a beautiful dance for you on pretty much hot rocks in bare feet, um, and the the children from the communities come and cheer, and you'll throw them all your empty gel wrappers and. <laughs> Yeah.
1: you how many times have you won that?
0: Uh three times. How many yeah. times have you been? Three. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it uh it's literally like three to four thousand meters of climbing every day, five to six hours of riding, and when you finish, the locals actually cook for you. Mm. But it is rations. Like you it's like a weight loss program over there because you get one baby chicken wing without hormones, <laughs> it's just tiny, uh, and like a handful of rice. And that's all you eat all day. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, uh, but it's Did cool. you learn
1: though to take food the next years?
0: Uh, yeah, we took like a lot of gels, a lot of bars uh, mm. And when we finished one year we had leftovers And I remember because <laughs> Jared was like oh, What are we going to do with all our leftover snacks? And I was like, well, we'll just give them to the kids And I remember he went out there with like one gel And then all of a sudden he was like tackled to the ground By these 50 kids as they were stealing all the oranges And everything we'd brought over And it was great though It was really eye-opening we would finish a stage and go swimming in the water and there'd be 50 of the local kids um, swimming with us and laughing and they literally don't even have shoes or T-shirts on their back and they're just so happy.
1: Mm. Yeah, wow. just
0: different level of um, Where's the prize money come from? Yeah, I, I well, it was sponsored by a mining company, I believe, an, oil company. Oh, yeah, right. an oil company. Yeah,
1: an oil company. Bit of sport washing going on there too. Yes. <laughs> Favourite rider of all time?
0: Can I have a male and a female? Yeah. Because I'll be controversial on one of them. Marianne Avos, obviously not controversial. Absolutely amazing. Um, But I actually got into cycling sort of around 2004, five, like at the end of Lance Armstrong's kind of reign on the Tour de France. And uh, he, this is the controversial part, was really influential on my career. I used to sit at the uh, computer watching YouTube clips of Nike ads. Like I was like, oh, man, I want to be like Lance Armstrong. I want to ride six hours in the rain. Uh, And I'd only just started bike riding then. So that was kind of really big for me. I'd say they're probably my two most influential.
1: Well, I think that's fine. You know what? Like aside from all that stuff, in the moment, he was awesome. Yeah, I
0: mean, he came back from cancer. I must have read his book like 10 times. Mm. Yeah, even if what came after it was quite damning. For me, in that moment, he was a huge inspiration.
1: All right. Favourite rider right now?
0: Um, it's a really tough one. Matthew van der Poel. Love him. I could just watch him time trial forever even, even if he wasn't in an actual bike race. And then in the women's, wow, there's so many. I think uh, I'm really excited to see Sarah Gigante come back into form and watch her tackle World Tour races properly. Nice. Yep.
1: Good one. War story. I know you've been building this one up. <laughs> you told me you got a few in the bag. What's well, one of those days that are just you know what? That day. The war story, what was your day?
0: God, I think I've had um too many war stories. I've had I got a lot of good travel war stories, but they're all really long, so I won't go into that. Obviously me sixteen stitches in my knee is a good one. I suppose plenty of days like Tour of Timor probably brings out a lot. Like there's days where I've punctured twice, um, snapped a derailleur. Is this
1: the war story?
0: Yeah, let's go with this. Right, okay, let's go, yeah. 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 Set it up. Yeah. Tour of Timor. Well, there's so many different stories on different days, but I'll just pick one day actually Um, because I was quite new to mountain biking at the time and all my mountain bike friends were going to this race and I thought that'll be cool. Uh, so, I went over pretty unprepared, really. Like, I think I took one tube. I didn't even take a spare tire. So, I punctured once and I couldn't change it. So, luckily, I had a nice young gentleman pull over and help me change that.
1: Why couldn't you change it?
0: Um, I couldn't get the, um, the valve out. Oh. Uh, I don't know why. don't know why. Uh, so, then someone pulled over, helped me change it. And I said to these guys, because I was actually winning the tour, I said, if the two of you pace me back on... Um, I'll give you 500 bucks each
2: hmm.
0: onto this lead group of women. Um, and they were like, done. Anyway, five minutes later, one of them punctures. <laughs> <laughs> so stop and change it. Again, pace me back on. Um, 20 minutes later... Oh,
1: you waited with them?
0: Yeah, yeah, oh, well, yeah. Well, right. I want the pace. Yeah. It, I mean, these are 100, 110k mountain bike stages. Like, they're long. And they're on the mainly on road. But the road surface over there is terrible. So... We're literally coming around a corner on this epic descent and half the road will be missing. Anyway, so I come around this corner on one and I just, the half the road's like missing and I slam my brakes on and I skid out around this corner and into this prickle bush and I'm in this bush for like four minutes trying to get myself out. The boys are like trying to yank my bike out. Anyway, then they are pacing back on.
1: Did you get back on? <laughs> I
0: did get back oh on my each God. time, yeah. Then towards uh, the final, my handlebars came undone or something. It was just a a real shit series of events and I hadn't taken my boyfriend there, Jared, who's a mechanic, Um, but the boys nursed me to the finish. That night um, I was on an IV drip all (laughs) night obviously not a UCI event <laughs> and then I think throughout the tour like because oh, right,
1: you're just completely dehydrated super
0: just- dehydrated because um, there's no water stops along the route like you have to carry your own water because we'd been out there for so long for the whole day came home had me obviously um me baby chicken wing and a half handful of rice <laughs> went on an IV drip all night I think the next day I won by like 10 minutes <laughs> yeah what an IV drip will do to you wow
2: <laughs> you well, it
1: wasn't an IV drip we'll never know Brilliant. All right. About you, BWS, beer, wine or spirits?
0: God, was it 10 years ago? I think 10 years ago at the Tour Down Under, I got drunk with the team. I was with Wiggle at the time and I was vomiting in front of my DS in a garden at like 9pm. Something shameful. Uh, what did you get drunk on? Um, vodka. Right. I'm a, I'm a vodka girl. And I got kicked off the team <laughs> pretty much. That's pretty that's a secret. I don't think many people know that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I pretty much got kicked off the team for behaviour. Uh, and I haven't really actually drunk much alcohol since. You kidding? Yeah. It was well a. Done. Yeah, it was pretty pretty significant event for me, I suppose. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well there we go. It was S. Spirits. Yep. Spirits, oh, yep. That's it. It's
0: done. Well, I suppose the main reason I don't drink is uh because I only really drink lolly drinks right and I'm just too old now it's embarrassing to be having a vodka cruiser at, a, UDL at someone's or wedding something.
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah they walk around what would you like a red red or a white <laughs> I'll just stick with the cruisers thanks <laughs> yeah. where are they actually I've, yeah. I haven't seen them around
0: <laughs> and at weddings everything's free except the damn cruisers
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right, what coffee do you drink? What's your coffee ritual? Do you drink coffee? I don't even know. This will
0: be the point where you kick me off the podcast because I don't drink coffee. There's either. been a few,
1: yeah, right. Yeah, neither does
0: um neither does Jared. That's why we're a good couple. Um, I I always if we stop at the coffee shop, I'm social enough to get a hot chocolate or or a chocolate milkshake or an iced chocolate or something. Yeah, I remember when I was younger, Hilton Clark actually before. Um, the national championships one year we're over in Adelaide for the track champs, and he took me out to lunch because he wanted me to have coffee. He's like, "You need to, you know, train yourself to have some coffee before the event. The caffeine's good for you." And I just made me vom. Yeah, That's never it. gone back. Never, never gone since back. then. Yeah,
1: I love it. There is always a point, though. I think I could be wrong, but I really feel like there's a point with everyone that they force themselves to like coffee in the very beginning mm. until they get a, the acquired taste for it. It's yeah. a weird thing, isn't love it? Love the smell. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And my teammates are avid coffee drinkers. Everybody goes away with a grinder.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. We've even got a team coffee machine that we take with us with just little pods.
1: And they're probably like, Oh, well, you know, Peter's taking the pod machine home, like, well, that's safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: it's true. She's not gonna steal any of those shed.
1: Favorite cross training exercise?
0: Uh, running. Yeah. Running, you
1: still run. Yeah, yeah, Oh yeah, I love, great.
0: Still feel the freedom and adventure of it. But mainly bush running. I hate running on a footpath. Mm-hmm. So literally across the road from my house, five meters and I'm on a trail.
1: How often do you go out for a run?
0: Well, when I'm in cross season, I use it as an excuse to do a bit of cross training, but maybe like 10 times a year at, oh, at very Oh, is most. that all? Yeah, not, not
1: often. So you get sore though when you're just only pulling it out of the bag every so often?
0: Yeah, I do, but I, I enjoy it enough. It's just I've got a bad back. So yeah. the trail running's not not great, great for it, but I actually like night trail running.
1: Oh, all right. Headlam yeah, so I put the head torch
0: on and and Ooh. put the music on and off I go. Yeah, it's a freedom thing for me. Nice,
1: like it. Most rewatchable race? What's that one race out there that you go? Oh, I just love rewatching that. And that everyone, if they haven't seen it, should go and watch.
0: I love all mountain bike world cups, uh, but the 2018 elite women valdisol World Cup. Amazing. Actually, most Veldasol editions have been amazing.
2: Round four gets underway then. It's going to be a furious and fast start. Look Look at this. You see, now it's it's difficult for Yolanda to stay. Oh, now. now and I expect Emily Batty, Marvajoska, all forced to get off from one slip at the front. And we will see this more when it comes to the end of the race. The riders are exhausted. Yes and then it's really hard to make it all the time. A real sting in the tail of the first part of this climb, isn't it? That, ever so steep. So, Maya Wustowska is going to take the win here in Val de Soleil. No woman still has won here twice. Look what this one's going to mean to her. It's her first win since 2012. It's been a long time coming. Maja Vazowska takes the win. A fantastic result for the rider from Poland. Second is going to be Emily Batty. She gave it her all on that last lap, but couldn't quite close that gap. Second again, Yolanda Neff. Didn't have it on the last lap. Still brilliant for third place, ahead of Pauline Fran Prevot, who comes in in fourth. And Gunnery Tadala crossing the line in fifth to take the last spot of the podium, becomes the oldest athlete to ever podium in a World Cup mountain bar race at 45 years old.
0: But just the calibre of women on the podium, the punctures, the comebacks, last lap, five girls hunting for victory. Uh, Maya actually ended up winning it after... Six years of being off the top step. Yolanda was there. Pauline was there. Gunnarita Dahl was there. Yeah, it was
1: just the the cream of the crop were there, and it's it's an epic race because I was watching it too. It's like it's good conditions actually. It's not like you know you probably hear us saying oh it must have been wet and whatever, but it was just the way it was raced. It wasn't it wasn't just like oh a slugfest. It was just tactically a hard race. Like you said, the punches, the comebacks. It's still, just to the end, you don't know who's going to win it.
0: Yeah, and you don't often see five girls head-to-head still in a final lap. So I think Emily Batty had never won a World Cup, so I was kind of cheering for her to win her first one, but then Yolanda had punctured and I wanted her to come back from that. Pauline's my (laughs) favourite. I suppose I've just got too many, yeah.
1: And you've ridden the course.
0: Yeah, yeah, tough course, tough climbs, yep.
1: So is that even better watching it going, oh, I know that bit. Oh, how quick do they do it?
0: I think you have a different appreciation for it because it is steep. Yeah. The rock gardens are epic, and yeah, I, I love watching the battles in a and the mountain bike World Cup. They they sort of unfold slowly. It's not like a sprint finish where it's just this hype and it's over. Sort of on the edge of your seat for a really long time. Mm, awesome. Oh, and I will go a domestic race actually. Um, Jack Bobridge, when he soloed for ninety k at the end of the national champs at Bunny Young, it was like thirty five degrees.
1: Have I, you rewatched it though? Uh,
0: well, I've I've rewatched parts of it. Obviously, 90K solo gets a little bit boring. It's more like a highlights package sort of thing. But just being there on the hill, I don't know. I think when you're at a race, you have a different appreciation for the suffering at that event. Mm. And that ride, just epic.
1: The thing is with a solo victory, it's only sort of good that one time because you're Mm. like, are they
0: going to make it? Are they not? Yeah.
1: (laughs) When you know they're making it, you're like, oh, yeah, he makes it. But it's awesome. But yeah, I get it. I think
0: the one thing about that is when you rewatch it, you just go, How? think we maybe know but yeah. well
1: <laughs> i was there chasing that day yeah and we were just burning matches like yeah. we had 10 guys from green edge couldn't get him back yeah i was I, in the break with him we just let him go where's he going yeah let him go. an idiot <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. we'll get him back
0: yeah Cam, i couldn't get it yeah just no. one of the i think bunny young actually every year especially in the men's race because it's late in the day it's hot it's a real race of attrition um. yeah love the EVs there
1: Australian nationals that is yeah alright last question the best thing about riding a bike because I think you're gonna yeah you know why you ride bikes not only just for the racing what's the best thing about riding a bike for you
0: everyone says freedom for this one but I I definitely don't ride it for freedom like if I'm riding my bike on my own I'm just plain bored like maybe on the mountain bike I actually like to take the boombox out with me on the mountain bike but I constantly like to be distracted I really ride bikes for the community and the people and I, I also do just like the feeling of, of being fit but give me a you know 80 kilometer sunny loop in Bendigo with 10 of my mates and a donut stop and yeah I'm just happy
1: that sounds awesome thanks Peter
0: thanks Mitch I mean, the world knows that Rafa produce an amazing quality product. It's no secret. But what I've loved most about them is that they're forever evolving and moving with the sport. Like when gravel became huge, they kicked off with cargo bibs and gravity surged in popularity. And so they launched an off-road range. And for a brand that I always saw as quite traditional, I love that they've been brave enough to move beyond that banner. When we first started discussions with them, I thought we'd be like a small fish in their big sea. But it was the opposite like i felt as a team so valued uh, it was obvious that our message as a team meant something to them and we had like four graphic designers from around the world on conference calls to just to try and capture the essence of rox Alden and turn it into this colorful design that represents us uh, and we couldn't be happier with the 2022 design
1: i think she wrapped it up perfectly there that's why we love working with rafa here at life in the peloton the passion the love, the culture they want to put back into the sport of cycling and you can see it, the riders who ride in their teams, they love it too. What did you think of Talking Love with Peter? She's a great guest, I've really enjoyed having her on the podcast the last couple of weeks. Next week we've got Andre Le Gersh. I mentioned him at the end of Peter's podcast last week, he's a cardiologist and we're going to find out what goes on in the hearts of athletes, retired hearts like mine the current athletes, what's going on with their hearts, what's going on with the UCI checks, and just in general, what is going on with good heart health and exercise. Anyway, that's the episode next week. Big thanks to our title sponsor, Rafa, Will Behind the Scenes, who's producing these episodes, and of course, Lara, who's helping me at Life in the Peloton. Guys, thank you very much for listening, and until next week, cheers. The music in this episode was composed by Pete Shelley. Cheers, mate.